When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. To entertain you, we'll sing your songs for good times, the best times. You can't go wrong. We'll two step, a new step, it won't be long. When the Dixieland is up playing, soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Welcome to Before My Time. I'm your host, Kelsey Laurie, and you guessed it, we're talking about singing in the rain today. I couldn't help myself but to sing that little intro. I'm really excited about this one, so let's get into it. I feel like this was inevitable. Like, I feel like we're going to hit a couple movies that people go, well, duh. And I'm like, yeah, duh. Singing in the rain. Duh. We've had a really, I, I would call it like a cool symmetry that's been kind of happening mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks where it's like we talked about pre-code Hollywood and then immediately after did double indemnity, which was like kind of a prime example of pushing against the code a little bit and what you can and can't do with a movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that this film, while it doesn't have to do with the pre-code too much, I feel like we've dabbled a lot into like, previous conversations about the effects of when talkies became a thing. And I can't speak for you, but I remember at one point I sat down because I'm the king of, I need to make a list of things. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to make my list of what I think are definitively the 100 greatest films that have ever been made. Not personal favorites, just like these are the masterpieces. And Casablanca was my number one, as cliched as it is. But Singing in the Rain was in my top five. I genuinely think this is one of the best films ever made. Yeah, it is. It's regarded as by a lot of critics as the greatest musical film ever created. So you are not wrong. But I agree with just not even just musicals, like of all times. It really has everything. And it's perfect. It hits so many beats in the sense that like the sweet parts are sweet. The funny parts are funny. 
every song is fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate to throw around the word flawless because I feel like sometimes we use words uh, and and are just like overusing those words. But yeah. it it is it is a flawless movie. It's a perfect cast. I mean, Debbie Reynolds. Oh, uh, my heart. She, I mean, and this was her first <laughs> huge. She was only 18. She turned 19 when they were making the film. This was her first like huge movie. Yeah. So she comes from, you know, she's just such adult. Let's just start there. We love Debbie. But um, this was a big one for her. And you can tell the dedication and work that went into this film, which we'll get into it, was a lot. And times on the set weren't always the best. But it shows. Like the work and the literal blood, sweat, and tears that went into this film, it paid off. Yeah. Well, and we've... We've talked about movies that have dancing in the before, uh, you know, wait, Christmas comes to mind, mm-hmm. but like, you know, you're a dancer. So I'm sure your perspective into this whole world is is very dramatically different than mine. But like, I know from my perspective, as someone who doesn't know much about dance, when I'm watching a movie and almost every single musical sequence, my jaw's kind of on the floor still of like, mm-hmm. how? You know, like, it's just oh, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> no, it's that is accurate. I can back that up as a professional dancer. It, <laughs> like, these films, I always say, I'm like, they don't make, obviously, musicals and movies the way they used to. But people don't dance the way that they did. And I was lucky enough when I trained in New York to find some classes that pushed me to dance as close as my physical abilities were to the way they did like it's they're so athletic and you just don't you don't see it to that degree but it's not just sometimes you can see dancers today like killing it and doing crazy backflips and this that a backflip is not what makes it amazing guys but it's also the performance that they're giving and i've said it once and i'll say it again it's because a lot of these performers came from vaudeville and there was a different you know fred astaire ginger they all started on the vaudeville um fred and ginger did not start together on vaudeville just want to clarify and another side note we will get into them in a future episode because i am (laughs) obsessed side note um but that kind of stage, you know, dancing on stage and then translating it to film. But in vaudeville, you had to give it your all. Like you had to dance the hardest you could. When you jump, you jump the highest. When you, It was almost because you're also competing with people that are performing that are doing tricks. So it's like you kind of have to throw in the tricks, but then you have to sing as well and perform. And, and the style of that time that was the singing and performing was very, ah, like, yeah. I hope that's enough of an audible for everyone to get what yeah. my face just looked like <laughs> and the shimming hands. And like, ah, ah, ah. That's the best radio show version of, of that I can do. But it really does. And then that's kind of when we get into the 40s and 50s music musicals that we know that's why i think they're so great it's it's like the perfect combination of you have the perfect talent and then mgm and whatever you know paramount like they're all kind of in this competition of like the bigger the better i mean we're trying to put esther williams on the highest tower with the most girls around and the biggest spectacle diving in and you know it's just it's kind of just becomes the whose dick is bigger i think in hollywood and it works it's like yeah. everyone's putting everything they have into these films and it's incredible, and you just don't you don't see that anymore. No, and and I I want to specifically highlight again. There's going to be a whole lot of cliches throughout this, but like, what can you do? You're talking about a masterpiece of a film with a bunch of masterpiece things. It's a so you're going to praise, yeah. You're going to praise the things that everyone else loves also because people love it for a reason. But like the entire make them laugh segment is such oh. a prime example of like what you're talking about, where it's like a flip doesn't make a good dance number. Yeah. He could have left all the backflips out and we still would love that number. And it still would be one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And it's Donald O'Connor. For those who don't know, it's Donald O'Connor who does make him laugh. He plays a, should we, should we do like, we skipped the synopsis. We'll get get in. We'll get into the synopsis. I do want to break down why we want to talk about (laughs) it. I'm just, I'm just ranting so much about, I was like, I could just go into this. I think that that's important. I think we need to get these parts out so we can focus on the synopsis. But you know, that scene, that scene, it's like, I don't even know from a dance standpoint how to judge was this a good dance routine or not a good oh, dance routine. But it's considered one of the hardest numbers like to do. Yeah, to do. And he had to do it twice because he there was a technical error. I'm not exactly sure what went wrong, but they did it. And they were like, hey, Donald. And he was already so gassed. So he smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. That's <laughs> your bad, Donald. <laughs> That is on you, but No, that's your fault there, but... <laughs> and so there's rumors that say that that number sent him to the hospital. Gene Kelly's wife later went and 
kind of debunked a lot of these myths that, you know, she was set some stuff straight. So supposedly from her perspective, she's like, no, that's not true. But I know he was extremely gassed and it was so difficult. But of course, when they said, do it again, sorry, he goes, okay, I'll do it again. And it's pretty in- in crazy that he did that whole thing twice. And it's <laughs> it's one of the most iconic numbers in any musical film ever. But, but like, I think it's because it's not just about the dance. It's not mm-hmm. just about the song. It's, but it's like it's his performance. There's, it's the character. It's energy. He is that yeah. character. He's that energy. And that's what I Ugh. think you mean is like, yeah, you can do a million backflips in your dance, but if it's not showing anything about your personality beyond I'm a person who can do backflips, it doesn't matter. And I don't want to downplay the circus, but I've seen a lot of people do some crazy shit and I literally am not impressed because I'm like, so what? You did a triple backflip. You are the most boring thing I've ever watched. It's, yeah. it's weird his how you can watch incredible things and you're weird like laughing, him going into these like real quick setup punchlines while like oh, the never best is when he like in. shifts his face when he keeps like he runs <laughs> on the wall and his nose is messed up and he keeps trying to continue and he fixes the nose and pushes yeah. it and it pushes his lip and then he pushes his mouth and I'm, i was just watching it and i was like how long i mean he had to sit in front of the mirror i guarantee you and kind of work that out and just like the attention and time he that was given and it's fucking brilliant donald o'connor's everything in this movie he he's he to me is the true star of this movie like mm-hmm. even just his facial expressions when he's lip syncing to debbie reynolds singing good morning is like so cartoonish so and perfect it's oh, all right i think is. i think I, we've gotten the praise out there I know. Take it like, we're gonna start explain explain the synopsis of this movie to people okay the synopsis and bear with me people you know my synopsis are a little crazy they're wacky and wild. Welcome to Before My Time, where we give crazy and wild synopsis. Okay. So Singing in the Rain is a musical comedy film from 1952. It was directed and choreographed by Stanley Donan and Gene Kelly, who also were the duo team that did American in Paris. Again, we'll go into that later. The synopsis, we have Gene Kelly, who plays Don Lockwood. He is a famous stuntman who then gets recognition in Hollywood and becomes a huge star with another already established star, Lena Lamont, and they became a huge duo. But this takes place during silent films. So they have a huge career and then, whoa, stop the presses. The talkies bust out. Talkies, if you don't know, are what they called the talking feature films after um, silent films were there. So just so you know. Donald O'Connor, who plays Cosmo Brown, is their pianist. They start realizing the pictures that they've got to move to talkies, but whoa, Lena Lamont's voice is terrible. She has this awful voice and I can't stand it and they can't get her to speak. So they're like, it's a huge flop. What's wrong with the way I talk? (laughs) I know, it's my voice. They make their first film and it's a flop because everyone thinks she's a joke. So Don Lockwood, played by Kelly, is trying to escape the mob of, ah, what just happened? And he gets into a car with Kathy Selden, who's played by Debbie Reynolds. They have a very fun, flirtatious, classic kind of, hey, get out of my car. I don't like you. You're a hooligan kind of a meeting. And then she realizes who he is. I love that she's like, she's in such a panic. And and understandably, if you were driving- If a strange man just jumped into my car, I would have a hissy fit. Yeah, but she's like, hold on a second. I recognize your face. You must be some type of criminal. criminal. (laughs) It's like, like, I do love that logic leap. (laughs) That's that's where we all would go. We'd be like, you must be a criminal that I saw on a wanted poster. <laughs> and I do love when she pulls up to a cop and is just like, mister, this stranger got in my car. He's just like, hey, you're that big celebrity. Lucky <laughs> lady, you're one lucky gal. <laughs> like, Not even questioning. I'm yeah. like, what if this huge celebrity was making inappropriate moves, officer? <laughs> Doesn't matter. She ends up, you know, she's like, well, I'm a real actress and you're not. And she doesn't consider the silent films acting. She thinks stage acting is where it's the true art, which she is. He goes to a big Hollywood party. She's one of the chorus girls that performs. She's like, oh, I'm embarrassed. And he's like, I love her. So fast forward, they do a song and dance. They fall in love. So they're all together. Um, Cosmo, Kathy, and Dawn, played by Kelly O'Connor and Reynolds, are together. And they're going, what are we going to do about this? And Cosmo Brown has this brilliant idea of... Kathy recording the vocals for Lena and dubbing over her voice. And they all realize it's brilliant. They sing a lovely song called Good Morning. We'll get on the filming of that. And it goes well. It goes great. And then the plan is for Kathy to have her own career after. Of course, Lena finds out that she's dubbed, is pissed. She also wants to be engaged to Don Lockwood and is mad that they don't have a romantic relationship. So there's that kind of tiffy that he's in love with Kathy and also that 
she's about to go have a career. So she threatens the studios to sue them in breach of her contract if they give her a credit, Kathy, for the vocal backings that she provides. So they go, okay, well, she's stuck in a contract. She'll have to do this forever. At the end, they have this brilliant idea to send out Lena to talk and sing and have Kathy dub her behind the curtain and singing. They open the curtain so the audience can see and reveal that Kathy is the true star behind her. And it ends with a movie poster of now Kathy being the star with Don Lockwood. They kiss happily ever after. Ah, what a shit. Like, if I wrote that as my paper in high school, like, this is my synopsis. I'm turning in my paper. I definitely... She would have been like, what the, this is a, at least a D, if not an F. I told you guys, it was going to be wacky. It's, there's so much happening in this movie. Because there's so the, much, uh, and then I start to go, and I'm like, wait, and then this little thing happens. And Before I had officially seen this movie, we had watched clips of it during mm-hmm. film class. Uh, I was in mm-hmm. a college film class, and we were learning about the transition into talkies. And he, to like kind of add some lightness to it, he showed us, the scene from singing in the rain with the no, 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 yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Like the whole, yeah, it's a, it's a really funny, well done scene, but it, he, you know, he showed us that scene. He goes, look, this is like a really funny scene, but it's not that far off of it. Like, it's not that much of an exaggeration of the troubles that they had when this technology was first introduced into cinema. Like, things did get out of sync. Like a lot of silent film actors and actresses lost their jobs because they had awful voices or didn't know how to act beyond just saying random words that look like talking. Yeah. And also it's like the style of silent films and the acting is much more melodrama pantomime style. And that's, that's not what we get with dialogue. Yeah. So it was, that was my first introduction to it. And this was one of those movies we're going to get sad for a quick second, but this was like one of those movies where it was like, fuck, why did I discover this after my grandpa was gone? Because like, mm-hmm. I know that he loved this movie and it was just one of those ones that I never got around to watching. So when I did seeing the footage in my film class, I was like, all right, I'm going to see this whole movie. This was when Netflix was like a brand new thing. So I quickly put the disc to like the top of my list mm-hmm. to come in the mail. And I think I watched it. And then immediately sent it back to Netflix and ordered the DVD on Amazon to like put onto my shelf. Cause I was like, this is so much my shit that it's like not even funny. <laughs> like I, I thought that I would enjoy a couple bits of it, but like this was kind of the movie that got me into the fifties Technicolor movie mm-hmm. musical. And, and I, that's something that's worth talking about because I do think that we're going to have to do an, a, our own separate episode about the movie musical, but the the way that I've understood it is obviously, yes, there's always been Broadway musicals that later get adapted into the films, but specifically in the 50s, the movie musical started to really come together where it was like, we're going to write a musical that's not for Broadway. It is strictly yeah. for a cinematic experience. Yeah, well, and a lot of the films, a lot of the films even so were shows first you know most of the technicolor ones but this one was a film first and they wrote this for that and then it kind of was a reverse situation where it became a stage show and did go on to broadway after the film but this also the songs um arthur freed wrote them he had a whole back catalog of songs so it wasn't even like they wrote the songs to create this they kind of created the story around the songs in a sense except for two of them but i was gonna say i think because make them laugh was before this right that was like a no 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 that's an original no make them laugh and moses supposes are the two original songs and but the thing about make them laugh so they they realized they're like oh we need kind of a funny oh be a um, clown it's very similar so so donald o'connor didn't have a solo song and they're like we need to give him a solo song so they wrote make them laugh. And it is a hundred percent Stanley Donnan later admits that it's a hundred percent plagiarism. Um, there is a song that Cole Porter wrote called be a clown from the pirate. And it, it couldn't be, I mean, make them laugh. Cause make them laugh, make them laugh. Da, 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 da. Like. Literally the other one is be a clown, be a clown. Don't you know that the whole world loves a clown? Something like that. Yeah. Like, they are like the same. He just completely ripped it off. Be a clown. That's what I was thinking of. I'm like, there was something that yeah. was like a vaudeville But throwback. Cole Porter <laughs> actually didn't seem to mind or he didn't sue. He yeah. very easily could have, but went, eh. And then uh, Moses Supposes, which is a great number. That one is, is yeah. was written as an original. I also and love Fit as a Fiddle. 
Like I know it's a quick I little. I was. I wrote that down yeah. as like my. I think that might be one of my arguably favorite dance numbers in this. It's so like, quick, but it's so good. <laughs> Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly had never worked together before this. Oh, this they is have their so first much time, chemistry, which blows though. me. I so much chemistry. <laughs> They're so good together, and that blew me away. I was like, they look like they've at least done one project together. But, um, but Donald O'Connor comes from vaudeville. He's he's yeah, in crew. He I mean, I think he was like three years old when he was on stage. He's because he was. 27 when this film got made and gene kelly was 39 so he was significantly okay. and so also gene kelly was 39 and debbie reynolds was <laughs> just turning 19 yeah, Ooh, happens we, a lot i feel like we've talked about that even with what wasn't there white something christmas. similar with white christmas yeah, yeah white christmas is the age you're like oh but uh, <laughs> i didn't realize how young donald o'connor was yeah, I mean, he doesn't look he's old. Got he a bit of young, a baby but I was face, like, though. But he's, yeah. but he's so young. I'm saying so young, 27, to make myself feel better. So, <laughs> yeah, he's just a toddler. But he's so talented. Yeah, <laughs> he's just so like his his performance is so mature, and I think that's where I was thrown. It just it's but, very refined. You know, he's got when a very... you start at three, that's what you get. But yeah, their their number and fit as a fiddle is talk about athleticism, quirky character. That's the epitome of like a, a vaudeville number. Yeah. And that's what you'll see a lot of that. Like, and that's I when we talked about White Christmas, when you kind of see um the the highlight reel of the career of the guys, they kind of do the same thing where they just give little snippets and numbers and they're all amazing. And it kind of has that very on the road vaudeville live stage. That's what feel, I love. That's what I love about amazing. the movie musical specifically. Like I think that that is such a mid to late fifties. You just kept getting movies like this and American in Paris, and they're just mm-hmm. They have such a visual style. They have such they hit a lot of the same beats. One of the things that I love about doing this podcast, and it's one of the reasons why I think both of us wanted to do this podcast, and it's something that we hear guests say a lot when they're watching these movies, is that there is this warm blanket comfort feeling when you watch mm-hmm. these movies because it's just like a hundred percent so wholesome and specific. And you know that like you're never going to see exactly that again. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you'll you'll see like Greatest Showman and like La La Land, like are definitely paying. I homage. hate La La Land. I just want to put that. Out I there. like the opening song, and then I'm done with that movie. But those are definitely movies that are influenced, but they don't get that That's visual why I don't style. Like it. Right? They're not. Yeah. They're not. <laughs> there. like I will say, loved the remake of West Side Story. But again, okay, I don't want to get off topic. Yeah, actually, you mentioned American in Paris, which is another beautiful, beautiful musical film but that was done um gene kelly was working on that movie and so they initially went to kelly to propose this film and he turned it down because he was too busy with an american in paris that finished and wrapped they went back again he's like okay let's do it and then this film was supposed to be released in 1951 or could have easily but they held it off because american in paris had been released and they didn't want them to compete with each other. So they released American in Paris and then 52 released this. And initially it, this wasn't like a flop in the box office by any means, but it was seen as a disappointment by some because people thought an American in Paris was better and I disagree. Um, I think this is and, oh, a I think far anyone will disagree. Anyone <laughs> will disagree now. And now it's it's funny how, and this happens a lot with a lot of the stuff we talk about when things get made initially. They either they might get a good reception, they might get really bad reviews, but then years later they become recognized as masterpieces yeah. and, and the top of the game. And and that's no disrespect to American in Paris, which is a very like you said, it's a beautiful movie. It's a good movie. Gorgeous. I think the other big thing that Singing in the Rain has over American in Paris is that it has way better pacing. American in mm-hmm. Paris is oh, is overlong and drags. Singing in the rain, they like set up the conceit of this movie in the first like fifteen minutes, and like mm-hmm. even when I was watching it, it last night, I put it on after the Super Bowl, which was eleven thirty p.m. where I live, and it did like I was like, holy shit, it's one o'clock already! Like it just moves so quickly every time yeah. you watch it. <laughs> like, I a thousand percent agree. Yeah, no, it's it's such a great it it god we just keep saying it's perfect it's perfect Um, i mean if honestly if you've gotten this far into the episode and you haven't seen singing in the rain yet like i know that a lot of this show is about teaching you about some of these things that you may not have seen and maybe trying to convince you to check them out but like legit you need to you should sit down and watch singing in the rain (laughs) yeah i was gonna say i definitely feel like every time we do a film i'm like stop what you're doing right now go watch it pause this podcast and go watch it but honestly guys pause this podcast and go watch it and then come back put down that smartphone and listen to me i'm matthew milligan professional musician and lifelong weird owl fan 
Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Um, so let's get into a little bit of like the making of the film and kind of what went down. So Debbie Reynolds, I want to talk about her. And for those of you who don't know, she is the mother to Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. I would assume most of you would know, but that is Princess Leia's mom tap dancing a little and hard she out. she is so. cute as a button in oh, this Oh gosh, movie. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen someone so damn cute on film. Like, <laughs> like every time I watch this movie, I'm like, you don't get cuter than this. And I just adore her. She really, but like she every had... time, I agree with you, her scene in the car, the literally oh. the second that the scene in the car happened, I wrote maybe three notes for this movie because I've watched it a million times. There's like, here's three things I want to make sure I bring up. And I was just like, Debbie Reynolds is adorable. <laughs> I know like, you can't. I know. It's, like, <laughs> she's Well, and she actually had no dance experience coming into this movie, which is mind blowing. So but it it took its toll. She was a gymnast before. So she definitely had physicality and was used to, you know, movement and stuff. But they gave her three months to learn how to dance. And she was like, you want me to learn in three months what you've done in 20 years? Cool. And it was not easy. She rehearsed like endless. She would do, they would dance for eight hours a day. There's one time she um, supposedly took her shoe off in frustration and threw it at the mirror and shattered it, which I can uh, completely understand that feeling. But um, Gene Kelly was not very nice to her. You know, he was much older and he was um, a taskmaster and criticized her dance skills is what she said and and really was a slave driver to her. And he's even noted that um, years later, when he looked back on the film, he he was like, I wasn't so nice to her. And I'm surprised she still talks to me because I was kind of awful. And even Donald O'Connor has has made comments of of how hard he was to work with because he's a perfectionist. And he, you know, it, it shows. I mean, obviously, that's why he's has the talent he does. It, it He works really hard. But he, you know, Debbie Reynolds was putting in that work and trying so hard, but he wasn't being the nicest about it, which makes it harder. And and I know how that feels in the dance world already. There's, I mean, the amount of times I've just been yelled at and told, you're awful, you're not trying hard enough when I'm physically like could not try harder. It's hard. It sucks. It breaks you. Man, that, that breaks you. But one time she was so upset, she was under, she crawled under the piano and was crying. And Fred Astaire was in the same studio rehearsing for a different project. And he came in and found her there. And he got her out and really helped encourage her to move forward. And Fred Astaire brought her in and let her watch one of his rehearsals and watch him die, quote unquote, die. Like, you know, he's here, he is a legend and an established, also been dancing since he's, you know, like three or four. And he was in working just as hard, just as sweating, just dying as hard. And he even turned to her and was like, see, I'm still dying. I'm a pr- I've done this for so many years and it's still hard. It's always hard. Yeah. And it just made her feel better that here's this, professional top of the game in that field. And he's even having a difficult time. And so that really is something she's reflected that Fred Astaire really helped her actually a little bit with some of her dancing and, you know, taught her some stuff. So that just goes to show what kind of person my sister and I constantly get into fights of who's a better dancer, Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire. I'm team Fred Astaire and she's team Gene Kelly. And it's really fun. They're both incredible. I mean, I've got no horse in that race, but what I will say is I think that, a, I applaud Gene Kelly for admitting that he was wrong, which, like, for That's a man in the fifties, is is not normal. But also, I I'm sure film sets tensions run high very frequently, and and they're exhausted. You're spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on set doing and the just, same thing over and over and over break, again. Until and when it's it becomes right. yeah, yeah, and when you you know say you're prepared and you're like I'm ready and and not that it's like and some lighting guy, but when you know you just feel like you're prepared and someone else isn't 
it's frustrating. Yes. And and, 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 and I'm not saying that Christian Bale was in the right. And I'm not saying that Gene Kelly was in the right. But I'm saying tensions can yeah. be high on those sets. And tensions, if, yeah. And I think was it the Good Morning segment specifically was difficult because yeah. you had three people that had to nail all of their parts at the same time. They they shot – so the Good Morning scene they did – it was a 14-hour shooting day. I think they took <sighs> like close to – 40 takes, if not more. And um, that was one of the worst. She, um, Debbie actually bursted a blood vessel in her foot and her feet were bleeding by the end. And I, so another one source said she got put on bed, um, bed rest for two days because she couldn't walk her feet, poor feet. Um, but that was one that Gene Kelly was super, that was an intense. And again, you're getting three people and it blows my mind. I mean, if you watch her dance in that, she's phenomenal and she's keeping up with two two experts dance masters yeah. you know i think she deserves a lot more i she got the credit and she got the career of course it's not like she deserves more credit she's definitely recognized but i just i wish that was really emphasized of like so, how that's in 3 months she was able to keep up and and be a star in that magnitude and i do love that song though i love that so, number so i was going to say i'm going to give you a little spoiler alert for whenever you come out to visit me in philadelphia uh, a fun thing is the room that I'm recording in, as you can see, well, no one else can see but you. There is a bed back here, and this is where I have guests spend the nights when they stay up here. And as you can also see, there's no door. So I can hear if someone's awake <laughs> when I'm downstairs. So if I hear that someone's awake and I'm downstairs like watching TV or you know drinking my tea or whatever, um, also up here right next to the computer is an Alexa device that <laughs> I have control of on my phone <gasps> do you so put on I'll, good morning i'll queue up good morning to just randomly start playing as soon as i know that they're I'm awake booking, upstairs i'm booking my flight right now <laughs> you just have to tell me that and i'm coming that's how i woke up my whole life my mom would come in my room and sing that to me like when i was still kind of you know too toddle in a crib or whatever she would open the door slightly and good morning good morning and she would always say i'm glad you slept the whole night through good morning and she would change words that Oh, that's so and that was, I woke up what with that just, you know, she wouldn't go into the whole song and dance. It's, <sighs> oh, it's just, and the way it gets started, the good morning, like that <laughs> held oh, out. It's just, and it's so, it, oh, it does God, really emulate chills. that. It's such a, oh I God, know. the song It does emulate so the good. energy of, of staying up. You know, obviously it's not all night. It's like 1.30 a.m. I think. And they're like, it's tomorrow. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm like, yeah, it's still nighttime, but you know, it, it does have that feeling though of when you do stay up till one thirty, two a.m. with friends around, just laughing and talking, and you kind of get slap happy. And it's always those yeah. like, oh my god, last night we were up at two a.m. and blah blah blah, put on this stupid curtain as a dress, and we were laughing. And it's kind of what they do. And it and it's exactly. I was watching it going, this is what happens at two a.m. when I'm with my friends. Obviously, we're not doing a choreographed <laughs> song and dance, but it's that. Same, I don't know. Knowing your friends, that's not out of the honestly, realm of possibility. Happened. It has <laughs> happened. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, you You come from a showbiz circle yeah, of friends. And I, I think. normally hang out with all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I, 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 okay, I I've definitely got the answer to a.m. choreographed dance number at two in the morning isn't uh, impossible. <laughs> I've done it. No, who am I joking? I've done it. But you know what I was saying. Debbie Reynolds, though, she's, there's a, a really famous quote, and she said, singing in the rain and childbirth are the two hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Oh. <laughs> I read that and I was just like, my heart break. Like she just, but she also said she learned a lot from this film and learned a lot of, you know, her work ethic and, and everything from Gene Kelly. So Gene Kelly also supposedly would, um, and I forget who said this, would harness a lot of his frustration and anger that he wanted to put at Debbie Reynolds and would throw it at Donald O'Connor because he knew that Donald could take it and handle it a little more and was a lot more of the lighthearted. And he didn't want to make, when they were on set filming, he didn't want to make Debbie Reynolds cry. Because yeah. that would ruin everything and she'd have to go back into makeup or whatever. And um, so he was aware, I guess, at times. And But poor Donald O'Connor had to take the brunt of it. I feel like, I mean, if Donald's even a little bit like his character in this movie, I'm sure just water off the know. back. <laughs> but let's talk about the one other thing that I feel like we have to talk about is obviously the infamous title song, the, the whole singing in the rain sequence. Mm -hmm. And also, like, just a real quick for, you know, me and you being hardcore Disney geeks, like, 
the infamous scene that had uh, so much, so, so, so much technical difficulties at the Great Movie Ride. I was thinking about, it's so funny. Every time I watch this film, I always think about the Great Movie Ride on that part. <laughs> so, which, <laughs> how it starts, I know, just the kind of walking along, like just trailing into a musical. I'm sure most of you know, but what the kind of premise and why they break out into song in musicals, it's supposed to be when the expression is so big that no words can explain or describe. So you have to sing. That's kind of why people sing in musicals. And this is a great example of, he has that just everything's going so well. He's in love and just can't express it. So I'll sing. And it's just this such charming. I don't know if anyone has strolled in the rain before. If you haven't pause this, go watch singing in the rain fly to somewhere where it's raining right now and yeah, go, for Seattle. Stroll. go for a stroll. <laughs> yeah, go to Seattle, go to London. It used to be one of my favorite things to do as a kid. I'm not a big rain person, but when it was raining and I would run home from school, I'd be like, mom, 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 can I play in the rain? She's like, of course. And I had a little yellow slicker and little um, like ducky rain boots. And I would go outside and um, our concrete isn't built right. So we get these huge epic puddles because the water gets stuck. And I would go out and just splash around and basically do what he's doing, but I wasn't dancing. And it was my every time. And it's just this like magical feeling to splash around in the rain. So he's doing that. It's amazing. Gene Kelly had a temperature though, when they filmed that of 103 that day, it took him a day and a half to to film this part because (laughs) remember folks, he's not only starring in this, he's choreographing and directing it. So yeah. he like does not have any time off. And when you're taking on that much work and working that hard, you're gonna your body's gonna crash. And so this was the day he crashed um with 103. And that's fucking incredible. Like you go back and watch it, and it's again one of you know the most iconic dance numbers in all the films, and it's amazing. And he's sick as a dog. Yeah. I mean, well, th- think when you have 103, you can't even get off the couch, and now he's giving you that. I think that's also one of those things that's the magic of these movies is that like they were such professionals mm-hmm. <laughs> like where it's like now you today, can't oh tell you're not watching it and you could not tell that they're sick and it's kind of like again bring up something like Casablanca like the fact that Casablanca was essentially being written as they were filming it and it's like one of the tightest perfect scripts <laughs> like crazy it's crazy and you would not hear usually they were writing it while filming it is the explanation for why a movie was bad right you're right they're like well they kind of had to like read yeah no that's i didn't actually know that about casablanca the the professionalism i mean and i'm not i'm not on huge hollywood sets now so i'm i'm sure there is a huge level of professionalism you hear still hear stories like that but i was also raised with that you know in the ballet world you have that Oh, I'm sorry, you're you're in pain. We'll do it again, but do it better. Like that's kind of how I was raised. And so every time I've been on stage in a lot, you know, it's and I have a lot of friends of performers. You someone has to tell us to go home if we're sick, or someone has to be yeah. like, You're not going on. You can't walk. How are you gonna go dance? But I have very little patience for people that are like, Oh, I can't today. I don't feel good, or because anyone that's grown up in the uh, quote unquote, real dance world and performance kind of mentality, you you go on. The show must go on. There's a reason that that's yeah. like a theme. And so, yeah, sometimes I find I don't have very much patience for that. But I'm also the first person, like, I will be the last person to pull myself. And it has also gotten me into trouble where sometimes yeah. I'm going to listen to your buddy. But- and that still does happen. I feel like if you watch like the Netflix docuseries Cheer, like you see like Oh yeah, that's a world oh, where yeah. like no, it's, I wasn't saying it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, was, but it's I, definitely in different spots now. It's not. It yeah. there's those elements where it's like, yeah, if you're a cheerleader and you're tra- like, they can replace you like that. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean, like, I also feel like well, in in film, the hard thing is, is like you know, if you go, oh, I I just am not feeling good today. We have to postpone. That's costing the production a lot of money. And so there's a lot of pressure to keep going. But also there's a lot better, probably like union labor laws now that weren't in place. And so, you know, going, oh, they were harder workers. It was like, no, they didn't really have a choice. So I think there's also when when you said that the good morning thing took 14 hours to film, I'm like, could you imagine any movie having a 14 hour shoot day? I mean, like it does happen, but but no, 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 it would, but you would, you would be paid differently and also you would make sure you would have to have a certain amount of breaks i think or lunch break and who knows yeah, what, you I, know, like, I would if you I told me that the they shot that for there, 14 but. straight hours with no breaks i'd be like that makes sense for 1952 mm-hmm. like sure there's okay. a really funny i i want to side note and i i can 
put this like on the Facebook group or something. There was a really funny Saturday Night Live sketch a couple years ago and they had two guest star like female actresses and it was like this feminism talk. Let's talk about women in Hollywood and where we're coming and uh, the problems we have. And it was always they'd have on actual celebrities that weren't hosting and it was two of them. And then Kate McKinnon plays this old, I think her name was like Dottie something. And yeah. she's like dressed as this old woman. And she was like this, one of the Hollywood stars from, <laughs> you know, the forties. And so they're telling their problems of sexual harassment. I think Jennifer Aniston's on one of them and, oh yeah, this, that. And she's like, oh, they used to feed us arsenic so our skin would be whiter. And they're like, wait, what? And like, she's, she's like, they didn't even consider us. We had a place on the props table that just said woman. And like, it's hilarious, like relating. And it's kind of, it's you know, obviously so good, but there's still things that need to be worked on, but just kind of when you look back and I've said yeah, this on our podcast before, way. <laughs> we've come, a, we, we still have a long way, but guys, we, ooh, we've come up, come a long way. So it was, Hollywood was, uh, difficult in those days. I want to admit, since you brought us into SNL, I, I've got to go to the most logical next step, which is tell me that you've seen when Joseph Gordon-Levitt was the host of SNL. And instead of an opening monologue, he just did the make him laugh sequence. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And he was, I was like, oh, I already have like a huge Hollywood crush on him. And so then he did that. And I was like, I love you. (laughs) Joseph, if you're listening to this, you have a. Yeah, open invitation. Um, Come talk to us about um, uh, that song. (laughs) So here's kind of an ironic twist to this movie. So the movie's plot is based on Debbie Reynolds' character, Kathy, dubbing the voice of Lena. The line, until the stars turn cold is actually the actress Jean Hagers, who plays Lena. She dubbed that for Debbie Reynolds, who was playing Kathy, who's dubbing Lena. <laughs> Are you? Did your guys' heads just explode? Because I'm a little dizzy. So actually, um, the actress Jean Hagers has a lot deeper, sultry, like that line, the way it sounds is her true speaking voice. So for this movie and her, you know, I can't stand it. That was obviously a put on character. Yeah voice um and she has a much softer deeper sexy sultry kind of voice i know that uh, debbie reynolds is from texas so sometimes her accent or the sound of her voice the studios weren't crazy about i thought that was so funny that the actress playing lena dubbed debbie reynolds playing the actress who dubs lena (laughs) and then um she didn't do her own singing either i think she did sing a few songs but a lot of the songs were dubbed over by um a woman named betty noise Give it up for Betty. Betty, you have a beautiful singing voice. I, yeah, I really it, because how it. many songs does she really sing in the movie directly? It's just really good Please morning. Old I feel like it's not that many when you think about it. She does sing it in the rain that when they open. Oh, and the end, you know, sing them in the rain. Would you? And good morning. Because even the singing in the rain the second time, she's behind the curtain. So you're barely even seeing her having to lip sync to that because Lena's yeah. in front of the curtain. So that makes sense. I, I, I feel like it's easier to cover up than if she sang every song in the movie and you're like, okay, that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this still gave her a big start, but sometimes I'd be like, wait, can I, you don't like, you don't like my voice. But <laughs> again, if it was that or bust, she'd made the right choice. No, she made the project. correct choice. So Debbie Reynolds also kind of felt at times that Gene Kelly, because he was so much older. Remember, he's 39. She's turning 19. Took advantage of her in ways. And she felt sex- sexually assaulted a little bit on their um, kissing scene because she had never French kissed in her life before. And I actually watched mm-hmm. an interview of her talking about this. And he, when they kissed, he, she felt that he was very aggressively grabbing her and then he stuck his tongue down her throat and she didn't know what was going on because she'd never been French kissed before and she was like ah what is this thing get it out (laughs) I thought that was really kind of cute and also like "Uh oh um I did want to give a shout out to Sid Charisse she is the dancer in the green dress during the dream sequence ballet which that's another thing about musicals in the 50s they love their dream their ballet dream sequences it is a (laughs) Thing. Okay, so this Dream Ballet, which is um, the 10-minute Broadway melody, that was actually a late addition to the film. They kind of – they realized that the Dream sequence was so well-received in American in Paris that they wanted to add one to this, which is one of – it's such an elaborate scene, this whole – it's a 10-minute just giant spectacle production, but um, you don't see – Don O'Connor in it because he was already in his next contract with Universal making the movie Francis and the Talking Mule. What a step up from singing in the rain. <laughs> I know, right? Sid Charisse was, um, she just had a baby before filming this. And she, what oh, a beautiful dancer. What a <laughs> stunning, I mean, this to me as a dancer is one of the most iconic dance scenes ever. It's just 
to it, it will. And she's a lot taller than Gene Kelly. So he choreographed a lot of it. If you go back and watch, there's never anywhere in the choreography that they're standing straight next to each other. There's always one kind of slouched around and it's real lean back choreography to hide the fact that she's taller, but it was supposed to be, she kind of got the role and that existed because Debbie Reynolds wasn't a professional dancer. They needed someone that was a, a dancer dancer. And so they brought in um, Sid Charisse for it. And which thank God they did. Cause what a, great number and that was the first time so the first time you see her she has a cigarette mm-hmm. and that was her first and last cigarette ever oh. they had to teach her like how to smoke because she didn't know how and then after that she never had another she's like ill i'm sure that the answer is my mom made me watch it but i still want to know about the first time you ever saw singing in the rain no you know what i i have to say and admit that i saw this one a lot later i there's okay. a handful of classic movie musicals um which we'll get into later that i did grow up you know, since I was like two at whatever, but I, I can't remember the first time I saw it, but I think I was a teenager and it was my sister. It was Giselle who was like that. It's one of her favorite movies. Yeah. And she, I don't know how the hell Giselle saw this. And I didn't like Giselle, please. She doesn't listen to this podcast. When my kids, <laughs> she's like, barely <laughs> listen to her grease episode. She's like, I have kids. I'm like, yeah. So, but she, she was talking about it one time and she's like, Oh, you know the part? And I was like, I've actually never seen it. And she kind of was like, wait, of all people, what? She's like, okay, basically what I did to you guys saying, stop everything you're doing, go watch it now. She kind of did that to me. So I have to give the credit to Giselle for, for showing me this one. Nice. Based on the fact that you said your mom sang the good morning songs yeah, in the morning, no, you think that like know, by nature, I didn't you would know where that song came it. from for the longest yeah. time. My whole childhood, <laughs> it's just what I'd heard. And then I had heard the songs and obviously I knew singing in the rain. And, like, and then I wrote the prettiest song for the mornings <laughs> my mom like did full like musicals for us she had a song for everything like literally when we were like babies in a high chair she had this whole like song and dance to serve us our cheerios and like everything had a song and dance to it which is shocking and then I can't imagine. the product you don't get know you get a gelsey why or how that and now i have a song and dance for everything <laughs> but that was my that was my first time and of course i immediately fell in love with it and was like this is the greatest film ever but um walter plunkett was the costume designer and he had to design over 500 costumes for this film which if you watch the 10 minute broadway melody dream sequence alone that, yeah. I'm like, there's all your 500, but yeah. <laughs> um, he did the costumes for Gone with the Wind, and he said that Singing in the Rain was harder. He had more costumes to design with more detail, which is crazy because, you know, Gone with the Wind being a Civil War piece, it's like, those have beautiful detail, but they didn't have the sequins, kids. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. All right, Kelsey, I've done this once before with you uh, fairly recently with a double indemnity where I I threw you kind of a, hey, tell us the next thing you want to talk about type question. And Mm. in this one, we did talk a lot about the movie musical and we talked about, wait, Christmas earlier. Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about this one. If you had to pick a movie musical Actually, we'll we'll even say not a movie musical. What is the next musical you would love for us to talk about? Because we've been a pretty musical-ass show so far. We've covered three in under 20 episodes. Have we? Yeah, gosh. Literally, you said that in like 10 just flooded my brain. My Fair Lady, we definitely have to because I grew up with that. Like I used to sing Eliza songs in my room. And like my parents would catch me and be like, I wasn't doing anything. Like <laughs> I practiced my My Fair Lady in the Mirror so much because definitely that one. Follow the Fleet is one of my favorites. Like we got to get into, well, we'll do Fred and Ginger on their own. So I, I don't want to really touch too much of them. On the Town. I love On the Town. It's another Gene Kelly. We've got, um, I mentioned that in The White Christmas because that's Vera Ellen. And then um, Ann Miller, I, I mentioned her too. And then Easter Parade. When Easter comes, we will do Easter Parade because okay. I grew up seeing that. So there you go. Which one would you like to cover? So as much as I love always in my heart, right? There's a place for stuff like Little Shop and Rocky Mm -hmm. Horror. Like I obviously love those, but I don't say this very often, but my absolute favorite musical of all time, it was the first musical that I did freshman year. I was on the stage crew for it and it kind of started my love of musicals is Anything Goes. I oh I love, love yeah I love that anything is a great goes. I mean anything Cole Porter is magic but His it's music I mean is that incredible. is but that's almost like the Cole Porter's greatest hits like there's yeah. so many 
so many songs that became jazz standards that all come straight out yeah. of anything goes. Well, like Cole Porter's whole book, like every Cole Porter song is a jazz standard, but that it really does hit. I agree with you. Like, yeah, like anything goes. Blow Gabriel, blow. Um, I love that one too. I get a kick out of you. Like mm-hmm. there's so many in there. Friendship, I friendship. Friendship. That's the I get a kick out of you. I can only think about Blazing Saddles. Let's <laughs> sing a song. I get no, get kick, no kick from, from champagne. champagne. Hold yeah, it, hold I, it. What the hell is that shit? <laughs> we yeah. have to do Blazing Blazing Saddles. We will. Favorite. I mean, we, I think we've said we're going to do early early Mel Brooks as its own conversation almost Absolutely. because so much to un- unpack there. But yeah, I just I remember watching that. And like putting it together and we had to build, it was such a fun project for a freshman in high school that we had to make our, our auditorium look like a boat. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Of course you were behind, uh, behind the scenes making magic happen. And of course I was like, I'm front and center. (laughs) Tell us what your favorite movie musical is that you would like to hear us cover and dive in deep on the inside facts. You can find us on Instagram at before my time underscore podcast and on Facebook. Just search before my time will pop up. You can find this podcast on all major platforms, but obviously you found this one. So good job. And please, pretty please with sugar on top. Give us that five star review because it helps us a lot. We love you. We really appreciate you listening. And please tune in for more next week on Before My Time. Bye. idea for a podcast but don't know where to start or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level well check out we know podcasting.com from concept development to theme music to editing to logos we know podcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod don't hesitate to hit us up we're very nice you're listening to the geekscape network Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network.